It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And hello, MD Nation, and welcome back to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we got a great one in store for you guys here today as we're going over the Sunday afternoon recap of Week 15. Otherwise known as the second round of your fantasy football playoffs and hopefully did not disappoint as part of MD Nation. Hopefully you guys are moving on to the championship round, which is why you'd still be listening to this show. Or, of course, you're in the amateur hour leagues and you have to wait till week 17 to decide your championships. We'll see. But either way, you would be moving on from the semis to the finals in this round this week right here. And hopefully as part of MD Nation, that is the pathway that you are on. This week did not disappoint as far as big play performances from key fantasy contributors. Of course, there were some disappointments as well. And that's what we're going to talk about in this game. Recap what happened. Maybe look ahead a little bit, what we can trust, what we can go with heading into your championship matchups. Nice little nuggets through you throughout the day here. We got 13 games to go over. And we had two Saturday games to kind of kick things off. After the Thursday game, which we recapped already during Friday's show from 12 to 1.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and our normal time slot. We had the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos at 4.30 on a Saturday. Don't you love having Saturday football? More days of more football. I, 
I don't. I'm not a big fan of the Thursday game because players don't have enough time to recover. But having a couple Saturday games, Sunday, Monday, making it a full weekend event, I'm down with that idea. In fact, if they wanted to move the games from Thursday to Saturday, that would be preferred. Now I know they probably won't do that because of college football, and the usually the big time matchups are on Saturday night. So the NFL tries to kind of stay out of the way of that. That's why, normally speaking, when the NFL does have Saturday games, we're in this part of the season where we're kind of into bowl season, where things are kind of all over the place anyway. But I do love the Saturday afternoon games for the NFL. The Bills and the Broncos, it was a total blowout. And the only reason you were watching this game in the second half, quite frankly, is if you had fantasy relevancy. Because there was never a point in time, even when Denver tried to make it a game in the second quarter, There was never really a point in time where this game was actually close. It was all Buffalo pretty much all the way. It was all Josh Allen pretty much all the way. Going to finish as the number one quarterback, most likely anyway. We haven't had the Monday night game yet, but going to most likely finish as the number one quarterback of the week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. 359 yards through the air, two touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and 33 yards rushing. Josh Allen, when he needed it most, got back to that form that he was early on the season when he's competing as a top three fantasy quarterback every single week. And with the exception of the Steelers game, where it wasn't necessarily fantasy awesome, but he played well. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start a journey. Not a fad. 
Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Josh Allen now is back to what he was earlier on in the year. And you can expect him to continue this dominance. Because he's finding something left and right. Now, there was a little bit of concern in this game. That was because Stephon Diggs, while he had a great game, 11 catches for 147 yards on 13 targets in this game, he did walk away with a foot injury at the end. Now, they said they don't expect it to be serious. We will get more information on this throughout the week. We'll get MRIs. We'll get to see what he practices like. Obviously, follow us on Twitter, at BellyUpMDFFShow. We'll keep you up to date. That's going to be a key one, because Stephon Diggs has been a wide receiver one. And he probably had a big role... And you moving on to the next round with that performance of 11 catches on 147 yards. So that's going to be a big one we're going to have to watch. It also directly impacts Josh Allen. Because Josh Allen has looked like a completely different quarterback this year. Part of it is because his fundamentals and his development has definitely progressed. The other part of it is having a number one wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, to be able to go to over and over and over again. Remember, Stephon Diggs has been one of the most consistent wide receivers throughout the entire NFL from a fantasy standpoint this entire season. Every single week, this guy is getting double-digit targets, it seems like. So it'll definitely impact Josh Allen and his passing abilities. Now, you still wouldn't bench him because of what he can give you on the ground, but his passing abilities, his passing production, will be affected if Stephon Diggs cannot go. So that's something we're going to have to wait and see. The one side of this thing, too, is that you're going into Week 16. The Bills just locked up the AFC East division. And because the Chiefs continue to win, they're still two games back from actually having a real shot at, you know, the first round by the home field advantage, which at this point would be the only thing you'd be playing for. And they would need the Chiefs to lose the next two games at least. So the Bills might find themselves in a situation next week, unfortunately, in week 16, where they may not try to push the Fondigs out there because they don't have a lot more to gain than what they did in this week's game. So that's going to be another factor we're going to have to keep in mind throughout the week here. A lot of things will be up in the air as far as that goes. As far as the other pass catchers, Cole Beasley, John Brown was out, so Cole Beasley comes in, eight receptions, 112 yards on 10 targets. He continues to be a pretty good option to be able to go to when John Brown was out. Now again, if Cole Beasley winds up being the number one receiver, I don't like him in that role. I don't like him as the number one target necessarily for this team. I think you're going to see a different type of team if Stephon Diggs is out. And we might see John Brown back, too. So there's going to be a lot of things in flux when it comes to the Buffalo Bills passing attack as we head into next week, depending upon Stephon Diggs' ability. Like I said, the only good news is that they immediately said that they did not feel like it was going to be anything serious. As far as the rushing attack goes, Devin Singletary is the one who winds up with the rushing touchdown, but Zach Moss led the way here, 13 carries, 81 yards. A carry, 68 yards for Devin Singletary at the end of the day. I mean, the rushing attack was effective. Probably more effective in this game than they've really been most of the season. But, again, a game in which they won 48-19, Zach Moss had 13 carries. Devin Singletary had 8 carries. These are not guys who are going to be on your roster for the championships. 
They're not. They're not productive enough. No one gets enough touches enough. And you have to deal with Josh Allen usurping a lot of the touchdowns most of the time. Let's talk about the Broncos' side of the ball. Where Drew Locke was awful. Awful. Now, some credit's got to go to the Buffalo Bills defense here. Because they continue to show that with Milano back and their health, that they can play at the level that they were a year ago. Which makes this team, in my eyes, a true Super Bowl contending team, by the way. I think they can take on the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that would be an interesting game if they continue to play the way that they are right now. The one silver lining for the Denver Broncos on Saturday was Melvin Gordon. Because he came through in a big way. 11 carries, 61 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Also tacked on 20 yards through the air. If you were leaning on Melvin Gordon in this game, as an RB2, he had an RB1 performance when he needed it most. Noah Fant, if you've been having to lean on him, even though he's been very pedestrian, it's been very frustrating, but because of the tight end landscape, you might not have better options. You got rewarded this week. Eight catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown, 11 targets. It's the best, really, he's looked all season. Outside of that, there was nothing else even fantasy relevant for the Denver Broncos. And frankly, outside of that, nothing will be fantasy relevant for the Denver Broncos heading into next week either. Changes nothing. Philip Lindsay just doesn't look like himself. He still looks like that toe injury is bothering him because he does not have his explosiveness that he normally has spelling Melvin Gordon. The carries, it was still a 50-50 split. Obviously, Gordon getting the nod and touches overall because, again, he will get most of the passing work. But he's the one getting the goal line touches. So Gordon's the one who gets the touchdowns. Gordon's the one who gets to be the RB2. And Lindsey's been very inefficient to the point where I have to question why the Broncos continue to give Philip Lindsay 50% of the work when he's clearly not himself. Let's move on to the next game here. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers and the Green Bay Packers. The Packers doing what they needed to do to hold on to this win. This is a very odd game. They win this game 24-16. It looked like it was going to be a blowout very similar to what we had in the first Saturday game. They were doing whatever they wanted to do offensively in the first half. It was 21-3. Rodgers looked like he could do no wrong. Aaron Jones was going up and down the field. He had over 100 yards and a touchdown in the first half. They were going bananas. It looked like the Carolina defense was going to be able to do anything to stop this offense. They go into the locker room, come out at halftime. Packers only put up three more points in the entire second half. And the Panthers tried to mount a comeback. Rodgers had a disappointing fantasy day. Now, he still manages to get you a decent floor because he's Aaron Rodgers. 20 of 29, only 143 yards passing, one passing touchdown. The key was he ran for 26 yards and a rushing touchdown, and that wound up getting you a quarterback floor. So ultimately, he didn't lose you the game. But for a lot of teams out there, they're leaning on Aaron Rodgers to be one of their key cog pieces as to why they win, why they got here in the first place. And like I said, with the way that offense looked in the first half going up against the Carolina Panthers, you expected this to finish in a much larger way. Now, when it comes to Aaron Jones, ultimately, you were happy. While you probably thought you were going to get a bigger performance based on the over 100 yards and a touchdown performance just in the first half, still, when you finish the game at 145 yards and a touchdown, you're going to be okay with that. Jamal Williams picked up an injury in the game, a thigh injury. They say it's not serious, but usually soft tissue injuries in this situation could keep him out a week. A.J. Dillon... Even if he gets worked in, 
and they try to give him some opportunities on the ground. He doesn't catch the ball. He's not a pass protector. So Aaron Jones is going to be about as close to being a bell cow as he's ever going to be this season, probably in your championship weeks in Week 16. That's kind of what you're looking at at Aaron Jones here. So perfect timing as far as that goes. And then for the receiving core, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams might have lost some people their championships, possibly. Seven catches, only 42 yards, and he doesn't get a touchdown to bail you out. Ten targets. They kept everything at the line of scrimmage for Devontae Adams. Alan Lazar was able to get down the field for five catches and 56 yards, but nothing crazy. If you played Robert Tunyon, you got bailed out because you got the touchdown. But only three catches and 18 yards otherwise. Again, this offense was completely shut out in the second half. Not something I expect to see moving into next week. I'm not going to be moving off of Tunyon or Adams or Rodgers or Jones or anybody if you made it to the championship weeks. It's not going to sour me at all on any of those guys. But you may not be on the next round because of some of these performances as well. Look at the Carolina Panthers side of the ball. Teddy Bridgewater had a good game. Got a rushing touchdown. No no passing touchdowns, though. 250 yards passing. And it kind of set up poor games for the wide receivers, outside of D.J. Moore, of course. D.J. Moore was fine. Six catches, 131 yards, eight targets. He got two big plays in this game. It really set him up. So if you play D.J. Moore, he came through for you. But Curtis Samuel, four catches, 42 yards, even though he led the way in targets with nine. Robbie Anderson, I know Robbie Anderson sunk some people. This is a guy who's been a wide receiver two and a consistent wide receiver two on a week-to-week basis, hasn't really mattered what the matchup is. For the most part, has been the lead receiver of the Carolina Panthers throughout the year. And he turns in a two-catch, 21-yard performance on five targets. Now, the Green Bay Packers are tough on the perimeter receivers. They are. J.R. Alexander, Kevin King, they're the real deal. And they're starting to come together. But Robbie Anderson's had some tough matchups this year, and he's always come through because the targets have been there. He was clearly the odd man out. He was clearly the third wheel when it came to this trio of wide receivers. So much so to the point where I think you are going to have your ask yourself, are you going to go with Robbie Anderson? Because it's not like the ceiling's been there. We know he's a big play type of wide receiver, but the big play hasn't really been part of his repertoire this season. So he's going to be a guy that we're going to really have to dive into if we're really going to play next week. When we go into the preview show, which is only going to be one, by the way, in case you were wondering, because Friday's Christmas Day, we are doing our full show Christmas Eve, and we're going to preview all of the games for your championship week for week 16 on Christmas Eve, which we will be starting at 12 o'clock on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network like we normally do. And we will be available on your favorite streaming app after the fact iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to go. The MD's Fantasy Football Show will be widely available to you, and hopefully it'll be part of your Christmas Eve or Christmas Day drive if you're going to go see family. And hopefully you are going to go see family, at least your immediate family, and everybody, please stay safe during that time. But getting back to football, moving into our next game, you got the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Deshaun Watson, although he was under duress in this game throughout, and it looked ugly at times, fantasy-wise, he came through. 373 yards, two passing touchdowns, tacked on 25 yards on the ground. 
while it's been brutal for the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson has played great. And while it's been brutal for guys like David Johnson and Brandon Cooks and with Will Fuller getting PEDs, Deshaun Watson has been a fantasy football rock no matter the matchup. Because he just wills his team. He does. He just wills this offense. He finds a way. And that's why you have to continue to play him as your quarterback and not waver on him, including next week. Now, outside of Deshaun Watson, David Johnson was the big guy on the day. Not through the ground, only eight carries, 27 yards, but through the air. 11 catches, 106 yards on 11 targets. And all I kept thinking to myself this entire game was that if you had just featured David Johnson out of the backfield, the way you did in this game, one, he would have had a heck of a better fantasy year, but two, this offense in general would have been more efficient. To get Deshaun Watson to check the ball down, make some easy throws, get the ball out of his hands so he's not under duress all the time. Pretty much got forced into that situation today because in the first half, the Colts were playing behind the line of scrimmage almost the entire time. 11 catches, 106 yards. Duke Johnson didn't play in this game. Which you could say, well, that opened up the third down situation. Yeah, but Duke Johnson never got targeted like this. It wasn't like Duke Johnson was sitting there gobbling up eight targets a game. That was never a thing. It's just strange that now, now at the end of the year is when you finally get David Johnson involved in the passing game, which I would say at this point in his career might be a better skill set than him pounding between the tackles all the time. He's still a good pass catcher. He's still a good route runner. He might not be the explosive guy that he was before, but he can still do that out of the backfield. Why they never utilized him until this game? Beyond me. Absolutely beyond me. But if you stuck with David Johnson because, frankly, probably he didn't have a better option, he was still a low-end RB2 in my book just based on the volume, even though he didn't love the matchup, you walked away pretty happy. And if you're a PPR leagues, you walked away really happy. Brandon Cooks, six catches, 59 yards. He led the receivers as far as that goes. But Kuti was still the better fantasy receiver because he had five catches, 53 yards on a touchdown with the same amount of targets. Even Chad Hansen was a better fantasy receiver on two receptions, 55 yards and a touchdown on three targets. So if you try to take a shot with Chad Hansen as a sleeper, the touchdown did bail you out. But that's three games in a row now where he's been fantasy relevant. Something to kind of keep your eye on. Now, Brandon Cooks will be interesting next week when they have an easier matchup. Because since Will Fuller's gone out and people are kind of like, well, what, shouldn't Brandon Cooks be performing much better? Well, yeah, th- but in the games in which Will Fuller's been out for, they've had to face the Colts twice. There's Bears last week, which he didn't even play for because he was hurt. This has some tough matchups to go here. So I do think Brandon Cooks, if all things being equal, would be the number one receiver of this offense. So something that we're going to probably talk about and examine in our preview show heading into next week. Jordan Atkins, five catches, 50 yards on six targets. Just a quick note there because he's a streaming tight end territory. Now we slide over to the Colts. The big story was the potential of a T.Y. Hilton against Houston again, who's on an incredible tear over the last three games, who's been targeted as number one receiver for the Colts, a Colts team that's been winning games and playing better offense. And he didn't have a bad game here. Four catches, 71 yards on six targets. Tied with the most targets was Zach Paschal. But it was Zach Paschal getting the two touchdowns. Five catches, 79 yards. That took 
the T.Y. Hilton game that you were hoping and expecting in this matchup. So it wasn't a bad performance, though. And considering how this year has gone, to see him actually have a floor, even if he doesn't find the end zone, because the last remember, the last three games, he scored four touchdowns in the last three games. I think there was a question like, well, if he doesn't score, is there a floor to his game, or is the bottom just going to fall out underneath of you? At least he gave you the floor. You did not lose this week because of T.Y. Hilton. But it wasn't performance that you were hoping for. It wasn't performance I was hoping for. Jonathan Taylor was solid in this game. 16 carries, 83 yards, picks up a touchdown, 4 catches, 12 yards. The big thing here, Jonathan Wilkins, even after the odd remarks coming out of the coaching staff this past week, wasn't a thing. Naeem Hines was clearly operating behind Jonathan Taylor. And while I think there's going to be other games where Naeem Hines is more involved than Taylor is in the passing game, depending upon their opponent, depending on what the game script is, that's three weeks in a row now where Taylor has operated clearly as a lead back without question. And has given you great performances. You're going to be able to fire him up with confidence in your championship weeks in Week 16 too. Talk about a game that was kind of ugly for the most part. Seattle Seahawks and the Washington football team. Russell Wilson, Seattle offense in general, just continues its cold streak when it comes to fantasy football purposes. 18 of 27, only 121 yards, a touchdown, an interception. I know Washington's defense is good, but this goes beyond a good, blooming Washington defense. It goes beyond that. Seattle, while they win this game, ultimately 20-15, that had more to do with the fact that Washington doesn't have any offensive firepower and couldn't actually put their feet to the fire when given the opportunity, when they should have been able to. When, go, when Seattle goes to play the Rams next week, and we'll, we'll talk about that game because that was, that was a doozy in itself itself. When they go to play the Rams next week, they better be able to find their identity. Their identity should be vertical passing attack and using the run to balance that out, not to lead the way. Chris Carson, while he was decently efficient on the day, 15 carries, 63 yards, so he got 4.2 yards to carry, only two receptions for six yards. You're usually expecting him to be a little bit more involved in the passing game. There was too much of an emphasis on the run in this one. Take shots. That's what you're built to do. They've stopped doing that, and as a result, their offense has become quite mediocre, frankly. DK Metcalf only had five catches, 43 yards. Tyler Lockett, four catches, 34 yards. Now, Lockett, that's nothing new. We kind of reached the point on Lockett where he's a wide receiver three at best, but because of the way the Seattle offense has been playing, I don't think you even have him in your lineups. As a matter of fact, if you've had him in your starting lineups, you're probably not even at this point in the playoffs anyway. But Metcalf, Wilson, they lost people this round. You weren't going to bench him. You weren't going to play anybody different for him. But after the start that he had, after they both had, there's been a major cool-off. And it's lasting for a while now. You keep waiting for Russell Wilson to kind of bounce back like a Kyle Murray did, like a Josh Allen did after he had his little bit of a cold streak. Like Justin Herbert did this past week against the Raiders on Thursday Night Football. He snapped out of his cold streak. It hasn't happened for Russell Wilson. 
And because he's not going crazy running, although he had a decent game running the ball in this one, 52 yards, it's not enough to offer him the floor to make up for the fact that he's not throwing up a lot of passing production anymore. If you manage to get to Week 16 in spite of Russell Wilson or in spite... I shouldn't say in spite of DK Metcalf because you're going to start DK Metcalf no matter what, but in spite of Russell Wilson... I think there's going to have to be a serious question depending on what options are available to you at the streaming quarterback position, whether or not you can play him because you can't afford another dud performance like this again. And the Rams' defense, while they didn't play exactly like it today, is another legit defense. So something to kind of keep your eyes on moving forward. Metcalf, you're playing. Chris Carson, you're playing no matter what. We might have to question whether or not we're definitely playing Russell Wilson no matter what next week against the Rams. Tyler Lockett shouldn't be in your lineups either. On the Washington side of things, Dwayne Haskins threw the ball 55 times in this game. Tried everything they could do to come back in the second half. And he, you know what? He, honestly, it looked like to me he played better. Played better than what he did earlier on in the year. It gave him a fighting chance. Ultimately, the two turnovers killed him, but he gave him a fighting chance throughout this game. When they really shouldn't have had one. Did have a touchdown, 295 yards. He hit Terry McLaurin for seven catches and 77 yards, and that's better than what he's done the past couple of weeks. It wasn't a game winner, but it wasn't a game loser either. The past couple of weeks have been game losers. The big guy on the day and the big surprise was Logan Thomas. 13 receptions, 100 yards on 15 targets. Logan Thomas wasn't really a thing when Dwayne Haskins was playing. People wanted him to be a thing, but we never really targeted him enough consistently. We weren't looking at Logan Thomas as a real viable option because we were fearful. One, Seattle's defense had gotten a lot better as of late, with Jamal Adams in there. They've been able to kind of take away the tight end to some degree. And two, dealing with a quarterback who did not have the history of targeting him in the first place. So if you stuck with Logan Thomas in spite of everyone, congrats to you. My hat's off to you because he came through in a big way. And gives you some confidence to stick with him at tight end moving into next week. Regardless of whether Alex Smith is back or it's Dwayne Haskins yet again. J.D. McKissick. Nine catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown on 10 targets. More like a J.D. McKissick game that we would come to expect. Last week, he led the way in carries but was barely targeted. This week, this is the J.D. McKissick game that if you're playing him in that flex position, this is what you were looking for. I love Peyton Barber gets his four carries for five yards and a touchdown. It's hilarious. But the quick note on the rushing game, too. J.D. McKissick also had 13 carries, 51 yards. So this is more than him splitting carries with Peyton Barber and then him dominating the passing work. McKissick, for all intents and purposes, operated as the bell cow back. And if that's going to be the case, this is somebody who might start to enter, when we look at our preview, when we look at our rankings and going into next week, that borderline RB2, RB3 area. If he's going to operate as the lead back and we know what he's going to do in the passing game, that's a hell of a floor player that you're talking about there. Especially talking about half-point and full-point PPR leagues. So Jay McKissick is somebody we're going to have a serious conversation about heading into your championship weeks. Now we move into the Tennessee Titans and the Lions. The Titans, who are going, they're going to be champion winners. They're, all their players are going to be championship winners. Ryan Tannehill lit up the stat board in this one. 21 of 27, 273 yards, three touchdowns through the air. Also tacked on two touchdowns in, in rushing, 21 yards on the ground. 
And that was with, that was with Derrick Henry going for 147 yards and a touchdown on the ground. With Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill still had that big game. And the big reason why, and I had talked about this all week long, the big reason why was because Matthew Stafford was able to play on the Detroit Lions side of the ball, and while he was not super great, having him over there was enough to keep the Lions offense in it to keep the Tennessee offense aggressive for four quarters. And this Tennessee offense, with the schedule they have laid out, have been playing through to the playoffs to this point and will continue to do so going into next week. If you can just keep their offense having to be aggressive for four quarters, everyone is a must play. Ryan Tannehill, everyone is a you know, a QB one, a, a wide receiver one, a an RB one at their position, essentially. And talk about the wide receivers. Go, Corey Davis, four catches, 110 yards, a touchdown, 75 yarder on six targets. AJ Brown also has six targets, five catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown. So even though he didn't have the huge day, still came through for you. The big key here is that Janu Smith finally came back from the grave, five catches, 52 yards on five targets. Doesn't get a touchdown. But at the same time, Janu Smith finally getting back involved was a welcome sight. Am I going to be confident enough to stream it next week? Probably not. But at least it'll be in the conversation, depending on what your options are. Move over to the Lions side of the ball. Stafford, I mean, you got to give the guy a ton of credit. A ton of credit. Going out there, playing in a game that, frankly, does not really matter as far as playoff contingency goes. Knowing that Stafford may not be back with the Detroit Lions next year. 252 yards, a passing touchdown. I thought he played pretty well. When this game was ultimately out of hand in the fourth quarter, they wound up pulling him for Chase Daniel just to, you know, (laughs) not expose Matthew Stafford any more than they already had to that point because it was already done and over with. Chase Daniel, by the way, came in and had, you know, five or six, 55 yards, but then he wound up throwing the pick. However, if you played Marvin Jones, who was a wide receiver too for me, because Matthew Stafford was going to play, and it's the Tennessee Titans, which is a great matchup for wide receiver ones of the opposing team, whatever they are. He came through with a big winning day. 10 catches, 112 yards, a touchdown on 12 targets in this game. He completely dominated the pass catcher of the Detroit Lions. He dominated the secondary of the Tennessee Titans. TJ Hawkinson was a huge disappointment. Only two catches for 18 yards on four targets. Huge disappointment. Dondre Swift, yeah, he came through. 15 carries, 67 yards, two touchdowns. Tacked on just four catches for 15 yards. But the point with Swift is we're a little bit concerned, right? Where is he at physically? Last week, Adrian Peterson was still pretty involved. Were they going to allow Swift to get back the opportunity to be the lead back to close out the season? See what you have going into next year as Detroit, as a fantasy owner, be able to ride a guy who had become an RB2 for you heading into your fantasy playoffs? The answer is yes. He looked good. He looked healthy. Didn't look bewildered. Got through this game healthy and scored a couple times. They gave him the goal line carries. That is all you need to know. They gave him the goal line carries. Not only did he have 15 carries to Adrian Peterson's six, but they gave him the goal line carries. 
I mean, when you go in the next week, DeAndre Swift, he can operate again as an RB2 that you feel confident is going to get the workload that you need. And while, again, he only had the four catches for 15 yards, this is still a guy who gets five targets every single game. So he has a high floor because of the passing ability. Love DeAndre Swift moving into next week. As far as Marvin Jones goes, we're going to have to see if they decide to play Matthew Stafford or not next week. I think that could be a question here. Um, he'll try to play like he normally does, but I think that will be a question at this point in the season. If Stafford plays, then Marvin Jones will be a conversation at the wide receiver three spot. The next game, which was really another blowout, Baltimore Ravens and the Jacksonville Jaguars in this one, I have to say they were a little bit more aggressive in Lamar Jackson than I thought they were going to be. There was, I was, still had Lamar Jackson well within my top five ranked. But I was a little bit concerned that maybe they would try to dial Jackson back a bit with the amount that he had been running over the past few weeks in a game in which they probably didn't need him to do so for them to win. I was a little concerned about it. But it looked like, especially early on in this game, they were making a concerted effort to try to get him going in the passing game. 17-22, 243 yards. That's the most passing yards he's had in a while. Three passing touchdowns. He did have the pick to kind of kick off the game, so to speak. But he still ran the ball 10 times in this game for 35 yards on a rushing touchdown. <laughs> still accounted for four touchdowns. So you're good to go. If you played Lamar Jackson, I mean, not if, you did. He came through for you in a big way. J.K. Dobbins, he didn't have the breakout game I thought he might. I really... Watching J.K. J. J. Dobbins over the past few weeks, he looks like he's been a breath away from just taking it to the house on a big run. He looks like he's just been a breath away on having that breakout signature rookie game. And I thought because it's Jacksonville, he had a really good chance for it to happen this week. He had a solid game. 14 carries, 64 yards, touchdown. One catch for 17 yards. That's the part of the game that, that kind of bothers me. Why J.K. Dobbins hasn't been a factor in the passing game makes no sense. Because he is a three-down back, a true three-down back, because he is a weapon. He's not just a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He is a weapon out of the backfield catching the ball. So that's always been, that's been the part this entire year that's really bothered me. They haven't made an effort to actually use him in the passing game out of the backfield. I think that's what's kind of held him back. This game, Mark Ingram was a healthy scratch. That's a big reason why I and many other people thought that maybe this could be the breakout game for J.K. Dobbins, knowing Gus Edwards was still going to be involved, and he was. He had nine carries for 42 yards compared to Dobbins' 14. So about a 55-45 split. And then you had you know, Edwards, shockingly enough, winding up with two receptions for 36 yards. Now that's something that never happens. That's, that's a fluke thing. But I think what we can expect is that this three-man rotation has turned into a two-man rotation. And J.K. Dobbins can continue to be, frankly, an RB2, borderline, a, a, a lower-end RB2, high-end RB3, with Gus Edwards being more of a, a mid-level to low-end RB3. And they could both operate having fantasy value in your lineups, including next week. Because of the way that they're splitting those two together now. And Dobbins leads the way a little bit. If you're going to play one Baltimore Raven running back, it will obviously be J.K. Dobbins at this point. The other key that goes with this is that Dobbins does get work in the red zone. It's not an automatic, they're going to bring Gus Edwards in. 
So that's the good news when it comes to J.K. Dobbins. While you have to worry about Lamar Jackson usurping touchdowns, he's still going to get his opportunities. It's not going to be Gus Edwards also usurping touchdowns necessarily. Marquise Brown continues his hot streak. He didn't score in this game, but six catches, 98 yards on seven targets. The volume that he was actually involved in this game was probably better than I've seen it'll be all year. And all of a sudden, this Ravens offense in particular started to catch some fire here down the stretch. Mark Andrews came through, five catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown on five targets in this one. Had a nice solid day. Nice return back to being a top five tight end. Something we've always looked for. I will mention, although not going to be fantasy relevant, but it was nice to see Des Bryant score a touchdown. It was nice to see him get in the end zone after everything he went through, trying to get back into the league, landing with the Ravens after everything he went through a week ago with the COVID or two weeks ago with the COVID situation, the false negative. After all that, it was good to see him get on the field today and actually pick up a receiving touchdown. It was good to see him in the end zone. Fantasy standpoint, obviously, it's not relevant at all. On the Jacksonville Jaguars side, while James Robinson was able to get a receiving touchdown, three catches, 18 yards, 16 carries, 35 yards, tough day on the ground, not to be unexpected with the Baltimore Ravens defense. The big thing, though, is that he picked up an injury. So, again, we're going to have to keep our eyes on him throughout the practice week to see if he's going to be good to go because he's somebody who's been a, a key cog in your fantasy lineups. Really kind of uncertain if he's good to go next week, frankly. So we'll have to keep our eyes on that. With Gardner Minshew, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered where they had Gardner Minshew or or anybody that they've had in that carousel quarterback. He actually played a decent game here. 22-29, two touchdowns, didn't have an interception. Did have a fumble, though. But you knew this was going to be a game in which the Jaguars were going to run into a buzzsaw of the Baltimore Ravens. You just knew that's what was going to happen. DJ Chark, four receptions, 53 yards. That's the most we've kind of seen him come to life as of late. But again, if James Robinson's not able to go next week, there's not a single... They become the Jets to me. There's not a single Jacksonville Jaguar that I'm going to bother even contemplating from a fantasy standpoint, especially in your championship weeks in Week 16. So we move into the AFC East matchup. The Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots, New England Patriots, for the first time in however many years it was, no longer going to be in the playoffs, missing their playoff chances, officially eliminated by losing to Miami Dolphins, who go to 9-5. and And to attack Lavoa, while he didn't have a crazy stat line today, he did have two rushing touchdowns, but re- throwing the football-wise, only 145 yards through the air, had a pick, no, no passing touchdowns. I talked about last week how in the loss against Kansas City, we kind of watched him grow up in front of our very eyes. That continued in this game. He really played well. And we know the history of rookie quarterbacks versus Bill Belichick. Tua Tagovailoa played well. He didn't try to do too much. He didn't lose his team the game. He kept him in it. And eventually, it paved through in the second half, and they won because of his play. Also with a little help from Savant Ahmed making his return from his shoulder injury. No Miles Gaskin in this game. And the Patriots defense just continues to be run all over. He had 23 carries for 122 yards and a rushing touchdown. Should have had two rushing touchdowns. One got called back. 
or overturned. But even Matt Breida, who had 12 carries in this game, he went for 86 yards. It looks like teams are just going to run all over the Patriots to close out the season. But Savant Ahmed, if Miles Gaskin cannot go again next week, and we're you know we're not exactly sure what's going on in the situation when it comes to COVID, when it comes to a player actually testing positive for COVID, it makes it very difficult to gauge exactly where they're at coming back. We have to wait and kind of see if they get activated and off the COVID reserve list at the beginning of practice this week. But if not, Ahmed is, is somebody who should be considered a flex play and a strong one at that because he has been good this season since they brought him to this team when he has started for Miles Gaskin. He's been good. And when Miles Gaskin gets back, I think Gaskin's somebody that you're probably, if he, even if he does come back, I wouldn't play in Week 16. Ahmed has been too good, and they've already talked about this in the past before You know, this back and forth of which one's active has seemingly happened every single week, but they've already talked about this in the past that if they have both of these guys active, they're both going to have roles. That this will probably be a committee-ish approach. Miles Gaskin would figure to probably lead the way a little bit more, but Ahmed will have a role. They've kind of already made that clear from a few weeks ago. So if Miles Gaskin comes back, I don't know if I'm playing a Dolphins running back, but if he does not, Ahmed is going to be on my radar. Now, as far as the receivers go, we went from thinking we were going to have, and it was going to be miraculous, by the way, too. On Friday, it was actually trending towards the direction that we were going to have Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki, and Jakeem Grant. Because somehow, all three of those guys, which at the beginning of the week, we thought there was no way that any of those guys were going to be out there. They were finding ways to get on the practice field. And you started to question, like, well, wait a minute. Are they going to have all three of them? Ultimately, they wound up being late and active Sunday morning after everyone had pretty much thought they were going to be available. So we got back to what we thought might happen, which is Lynn Bowden would be the number one target. And he was. It wasn't a great game. Six catches, 37 yards on seven targets. But he was the lead guy. However... We're talking championship weeks here. He doesn't have a big playability really to him yet. Now, he might be interesting to see how he develops into a slot receiver. But this is a guy who started off on the Raiders, was cut. He was a running back coming in. Changed his position, changed his team. I'll be real interested to see what he's able to become going into next year. But for now, even if he's number one target, there's a very low ceiling to his game. And unless you're in full-point PPR leagues, I don't even know if I'm entertaining the idea. Even if Parker Gasicki and Jakeem Grant are unable to return again next week. It's not a pass catcher I'm going to look for. And on the Patriots side of the ball, the only thing that's even of note, well, two things of note. Jacoby Myers did have a good game in this one. Seven catches, 111 yards, and 10 targets. If there's going to be a receiver of the Patriots you're going to play, he will be that receiver. However, I think more times than not, you don't even want to play a pass catcher. I don't think there's a player you want to play for fantasy purposes on the New England Patriots, period. The only other guy that I was going to say of note that you wanted, that you were thinking about contemplating possibly was because Damian Harris wound up being inactive, was what was Sony Michelle going to be able to do. And, you know, he was efficient, for sure. 10 carries, 74 yards. But again... No touchdowns. It's only 10 carries. It, the running back, while he might have a floor for the Patriots, because you know they want to run the football, ultimately speaking, 
There's a good chance they're not going to get touchdowns because of Cam Newton. And the Patriots, because their defense is not very good right now, find themselves in game scripts like this one where they're having to come back from behind and Cam Newton's throwing the ball more than they want him to. It's kind of odd to say, but there's there's not a Patriot fantasy-relevant player in my mind heading into your championship weeks at all. Now we go into the AFC South, or the NFC South, excuse me. Tammy Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. This game was looking real weird there for a minute in the first half. Falcons were up 17 to nothing. They looked like defensively, like they were an elite defense. It looked like Tampa Bay, like Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, all those weapons looked like they were second rate in this first half. I wasn't even sure if they were going to wind up moving the ball at all. But then, the connection between Brady and Evans started to hit. And he started to go back to the well. And all of a sudden, they started moving the ball. And everything started to open up in that third quarter. Tom Brady ultimately finished where I expected him to, in the top 10. 390 yards, two touchdowns. Mike Evans, six catches, 110 yards on seven targets. Even Antonio Brown, which I know some people are playing as a sneaky wide receiver three because it was the Atlanta Falcons, came through on a big one. Five catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown on seven targets, but the big play being that 46-yard touchdown strike by Tom Brady. Chris Godwin even found his way into the end zone if you played him four catches, 36 yards on five targets. Ultimately, everybody you wanted to have a good game did with maybe the exception of Rob Gronkowski, if he was somebody that you were still looking to stream. Three catches, 29 yards, seven targets. The volume is there. You like the targets there. But he's somebody, to me, that had fallen off the map a little bit over the past few weeks anyway. The other storyline, of course, is that with Ronald Jones inactive because of the surgery and because of COVID issues, you went ahead and played him, he came through for you. I mean, it wasn't pretty. 14 carries, 49 yards, but we didn't expect him to have a big game on the ground being the way the Atlanta Falcons have been against running backs so far since Raheem Morris has taken over. But he did have two rushing touchdowns because the big thing was we knew he was going to get the goal line work, and he did. Three catches, 16 yards. He also tacked on through the air. He was the bell cow. There was no committee. There was no nothing. It was without Ronald Jones, he was the bell cow back. So he went from being a healthy scratch last week to being the full workload bell cow starter, and while it wasn't necessarily efficient, he still scored twice. Still gets you in the goal line. I think the big question, the big thing here is, I'm also a little bit pissed at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Specifically, Todd Bowles in that defense. I had been singing their praises all week long. They, I kept saying on the show, they went back to the drawing board in the bye week. They got back to doing what they do best. Now, yes, Carlton Davis wound up getting hurt in this game. And he missed. He didn't come back. And that will be something to watch because all of a sudden Tampa Bay's secondary will be something to take advantage of. But again, they play Detroit next week, so that will be highly dependent on whether or not Stafford plays. But they went right back to what was lighting them up in the secondary in the first place, why they had gone from a top-notch defense both against the run and against the pass early on in the season to suddenly being a defense that you could throw the ball on. 
And the big change was schematics. And they went right back to the soft zone, which I could not for the life of me understand. You knew going into this game the Atlanta Falcons were not going to have Julio Jones. And what that normally means has meant for every other game this season other than this one. And that's Matt Ryan doesn't play well. The offense in general does not play well when Julio Jones is not out there. So why not be aggressive? Instead, they played back on their heels. They went back to that soft zone. And as a result, the Falcons almost wound up winning this game. Matt Ryan, who hasn't done squat fantasy-wise as of late, suddenly went for 356 yards and three passing touchdowns. Calvin Ridley, who has been good no matter what, but he had a great game in this one. 10 catches, 163 yards, and a touchdown on 14 targets. Even Russell Gage came through. 5 catches, 68 yards, a touchdown on 10 targets in his own right. Hayden Hurst still wasn't a great day, but he came through with a touchdown on 4 catches and 21 yards. He doesn't do anything when Julio Jones isn't in the game. It was very odd. It was very odd to see what they did schematic, and that's what opened up the door for the Falcons' offense to, to come to life here a little bit. Am I playing Matt Ryan next week? It's still going. It's still 100% going to depend on if Julio Jones is playing. If Julio Jones is not playing, I'm still not going to be playing Matt Ryan. In fact, the only person I am going to feel comfortable playing in that kind of a week will be Calvin Ridley. That's it. I'm not going to feel comfortable playing anybody else. Todd Gurley, one carry for negative one yards. Hopefully at this point, being how he has been very banged up, and he hasn't any many touches anyway, that you weren't looking to play Todd Gurley this week regardless, especially against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But Ito Smith was the lead guy for what it's worth. Six carries, 24 yards. Save yourself the headache. We're not looking, we're not examining the Atlanta Falcons' backfield in any capacity. None. Absolutely none. Like I said, it's Calvin Ridley. If Julio plays, then we'll discuss Matt Ryan as well. And of course, Julio himself. And from what I understand, Julio really is truly doing everything in his power to come back before this season's over. I don't know why. But apparently he did get an injection to try to speed up the healing process on his hamstring. So we'll see. Uh, there's, it's one of those situations where, logically speaking, it would make sense to shut him down. But from what we're hearing behind closed doors, that's clearly not the plan. Next up, we got the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. This was a great back-and-forth game. And it was a great showdown between two running backs in this game. David Montgomery and Dalvin Cook. Montgomery actually getting the best of it from a fantasy standpoint. 32 carries. 32 carries for David Montgomery. 146 yards and two rushing touchdowns on the day. A guy who's normally speaking involved in the passing game wasn't in this one. One catch for 16 yards on two targets. That's it. Didn't need anything else, though. Huge day on the ground. Dalvin Cook, though, was great in his own right. 24 carries, 132 yards, and a touchdown. Five catches, 27 yards. Chicago's defense is the only defense this year that has been able to hold a healthy Dalvin Cook in check for the most part for four quarters. The only one, the only ones that were able to do it at one point this year. Nobody can. Nobody can. He's too good. He's too fast. But David Montgomery, whoo. Talk about taking people on a championship run. That's what Montgomery's doing right now. Unbelievable the run he's been on. Unbelievable the game that he had in this one. 
And they still have another good matchup next week. Outside of that, Allen Robinson, not the game you're hoping for against the Minnesota Vikings, especially what he's been able to do as of late. But four receptions, 83 yards, didn't lose you the game either. Fact was, they didn't have to pass the ball that much because David Montgomery was so dominant. Trubisky only threw the ball 21 times in his game. On the flip side, the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins was fine in this game. 271 yards, two touchdowns. Not that you were streaming him, but he did enough to make sure guys like Justin Jefferson had eight catches for 104 yards on 11 targets. Completely dominated the pass catchers, by the way. But Adam Thielen, who only had two catches for 11 yards, bails you out from completely making you lose your matchup by getting that touchdown to at least make himself serviceable. And maybe, as a result, you don't wind up losing because he finds the end zone. But Justin Jefferson, man, I don't know. He looks like he might be the better receiver of the two. There's nothing he can't do at this point. He's developing so rapidly. He was already a pretty good route runner coming out of college. He showed everybody that he could be explosive in the 40. And he's been putting it together this NFL rookie season, without a doubt. It was a tough match against Chicago for him to have that kind of a big game. 49ers and the Cowboys, another high-scoring affair, but not necessarily from the players that you were expecting. We'll start on the 49ers side of the ball. Nick Mullins was eh. C.J. Pathard wound up coming in for him at the end of this game. He's only 219 yards and two touchdowns and two interceptions. Pathard came in and actually threw for 100 yards and a touchdown. But the important thing was who was getting involved. Brandon Ayuk. 13 targets, 9 catches, 73 yards, a touchdown, was the number one targeted guy that you would want him to be. Now, Kendrick Borgen's going to show up on the stat line here. He's going to finish with 4 catches and 86 yards and a touchdown. Most of it came on that C.J. Bethard, Hail Mary bomb when the game no longer mattered, and, and Bourne actually wound up coming down with it. It, was a, it went down as a 49-yarder. But it wasn't when the game actually mattered. When the game actually mattered, it was all Brandon Ayuk. Another note, Raheem Mostert, Went down, knocked out in this game. Four, four, finishes the game with 14 carries and 68 yards. Not the performance you're hoping for against the Dallas Cowboys. And on top of it, I highly doubt he'll be available next week. So you're probably going to be without Raheem Mostert. That's going to mean Jeff Wilson Jr. Most likely, I would imagine, he was less than 50% owned last week. He was on our waiver wire report. May or may not be this week because there was a lot of people picking him up when we weren't sure about Raheem Mostert's status going into this week. So we'll have to see if he winds up being on the waiver wire report tomorrow's show, which will be available on your favorite streaming apps, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on your Android or WWSRN on iOS. But he gets 16 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. The big thing to remember here is that, yes, even with Raheem Mostert down, it won't be the, the the total Jeff Wilson show. It won't be a, a bell cow situation because it just rarely ever is with Kyle Shanahan. But whether it's Tevin Coleman or Jarek McKinnon getting mixed in, Jeff Wilson will get the majority of the carries and will also get the goal line carries. So Jeff Wilson will most likely be an RB2 if we our suspicions are correct in that Raheem Mostert will not be there next week. I also don't think that with the 49ers losing this game and really officially knocking themselves out of the playoffs, I also don't think or see a reason why George Kittle would come back next week. I know some people had some hope that maybe he was going to come back week 16. I don't see what the purpose would be at this point after losing this game to Dallas. I just don't don't understand what the purpose would be. 
So I highly doubt we'll see that return. You can see him playing Brandon Ayuk. I think he played Jeff Wilson next week, and that's about it. Moving on to Dallas, Andy Dalton, 209 yards, but he did have the two passing touchdowns and got him out to Michael Gallup, who goes down with a foot injury in this game. It's going to be real questionable to see if he's back next week. Might be the C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper show. And Dalton Schultz was the other guy who got the touchdown. But in this game, Mark Cooper, some uh, some a guy that a lot of people were leaning on who had been on a three-game touchdown streak, who was coming into this as a consensus wide receiver too, two catches, 10 yards on three targets. Three targets. CeeDee Lamb was the high-targeted guy. Five catches, 85 yards, as far as the pass catchers go. We're, we're, I'm purposely not talking about Tony Pollard yet. Don't you worry. Michael Gallup, you know, five he goes down in this game, but he still wound up with more targets than Amari Cooper did. It's partly because he's playing against Richard Sherman, partly because of his routes that he particularly runs, kind of runs into the wheelhouse of how the 49ers and their secondary sets up. More bigger type of corners, more physical beat you up. If you're not a receiver who's going to blow by them, you're not necessarily going to have the advantage. You're not going to out-physical them. And Amari Cooper, at this point, has become a guy who tries to out route run you and out physical you so that's why he wasn't able to get going in this game it was disappointing but the big guy on the day of course I'm talk about him now is Tony Pollard now he only had 12 carries but he turned that into 69 yards and two touchdowns I will add this while ultimately it goes down as an efficient day with 5.8 yards a carry it really wasn't one of his carries went for 40 yards. So that means he has 11 carries on 19 yards. This 49ers defense was tough. But he wound up with two touchdowns. The big thing about Tony Pollard was his receiving. Six catches for 63 yards and nine targets. Dalton was just targeting him over and over and over again coming out of the backfield. And after watching this, even, even winning this game 5-9, and nine, I guess technically speaking you do still have a shot for the division. If you're Dallas. But Zeke hasn't been 100% all year. Zeke hasn't had his explosiveness all season long. Tony Pollard just had a good game against a tough run defense. I know you got the Philadelphia Eagles coming up. But the playmaking ability of Tony Pollard offers them some versatility on offense right now that they just don't have. And now losing Michael Gallup, I almost kind of wonder, do you just have Zeke sit out another week next week and do you just stick with Tony Pollard as a bell cow back? And maybe maybe see what you have before the season's over. Maybe see what you got. It's just a curious, it's a curious idea to me. I don't know if it'll happen. We'll have to see. I mean, Mike McCarthy told us on Friday that Zeke was going to play this week. So it was a surprise, not just to us, but to the Dallas Cowboys that ultimately he wound up got he wound up getting ruled out. But because it is a soft tissue injury, and it's always a question mark on how it's going to respond from a day-to-day basis, it's a situation you're going to have to monitor closely. If you picked up Tony Pollard, there is a decent chance you might be able to utilize him again in your championship weeks. So that's something we're going to keep our eyes on very closely throughout the week. Let's talk about the upset of the year. Not the week, the year. 17 and a half point dogs. And the New York Jets, which I believe, if you're a better, was plus 1,000 on the money line to win this game, win 23-20. to 20. 
They beat the Rams, who had a lot on the line, by the way, with Seattle winning. They're trying to compete for the division. So it wasn't like this was a meaningless game to the Rams, although they clearly got caught looking ahead to Seattle next week, though, because they came out flat. Offensively flat. Jared Goff, terrible. 22 of 34, 209 yards. Throws for two touchdowns, a pick. They were awful. Robert Woods was really the only true silver lining on the day. He had 40 yards on the ground on a nice little end around. Six catches, 56 yards, and a receiving touchdown on eight targets. Tyler Higby had a decent game too, but no one's playing Tyler Higby from a fantasy standpoint right now anyway. Cooper Cup, where were you? A game in which the Rams actually had to come back from behind the entire game. Five targets, five catches, 39 yards for Cooper Cup against the New York Jets. This game was all kinds of weird. Cam Akers, who actually wound up leaving this game for a chunk of it because of a foot issue, did come ultimately come back. And yeah, so much for the... Well, we're not looking at this as the Cam Akers backfield. We're still looking at this as a hot hand approach that we need to utilize. Dale Henderson, Malcolm Brown. Yeah, uh-huh. Cam Akers missed a chunk of this game, came back. Nobody else even sniffed the ball. Henderson, Brown, both had two touches total apiece. While Cam Akers had 15 carries. So, yeah, no. if you're, It's still solidified as Cam Akers' backfield. Now, was it disappointing? Yeah. Did you possibly lose your matchups if you had Cam Akers? Probably. Probably. But if you managed to get by this week, you can still stick with Cam Akers. I was still playing with confidence as long as he's healthy heading into next week. Because he came back in this game, I suspect that he would be. And it's going to be a big matchup next week because it could very much determine who winds up being the division winner. As far as the Jets side of the ball, I'm still not going to play anybody from a fantasy standpoint, but I will, for this show's purposes, point out Frank Gore, 23 carries, 59 yards, and a touchdown. Obviously not efficient, but Frank Gore getting 23 carries, it just shows you where they're at. It just shows you where Adam Gase is at as far as who's, getting to get the, who's going to get the touches and running backs as long as everybody's healthy. What, what happens when all things are equal? It's still the Frank Gore show. But this game was insane. It was just, it was just flat out insane. The Jets still tried to give it away at the end too, but flat out insane and a complete embarrassment by the Rams against Seattle. If you just you know, you're still going to play Robert Woods, and it, like I said, Robert Woods was the one silver lining. You're still going to play Cam Akers. I think Cooper Cup kind of has to fall into the conversation because they're playing Seattle. We'll use that example of Tyler Lockett. Now, he's been a little bit better than Tyler Lockett has as of late. But, man, his production, first of all, down the tubes in general this season from what we were expecting out of him. But second of all, yeah, it's not it's nothing you can trust. It doesn't matter the matchup. It just all it all depends on if Jared Goff's going to decide to have a good game or not. And I don't know if you want to go into that in your championship weeks with a guy that you have really no clue what you're going to get whatsoever. Let's move to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Arizona Cardinals. Jalen Hurts told you guys to pick him up after he became a starter because of his legs. We're going to talk about his passing in a minute, but because of his legs, he was going to have a chance to be a real fantasy winner for you guys 
who's been streaming quarterbacks to get to this point if you didn't have one you're feeling really confident about. Jalen Hurts was actually impressive throwing the football. Now, he did his thing with his legs that you need him to do. He had 63 yards, had a rushing touchdown, but then he also had 338 passing yards and three touchdowns in this game. And while he went 24-44, which isn't a great completion, I was not impressed with his passing last week. I was impressed with it this week. There's a lot of throws in this week's game that were really legitimately good throws throughout. It wasn't simple throws. It wasn't guys flying wide open. He was really making things happen. And in some senses, in some senses, it made it, made it brought out the best in Kyler Murray because he finally snapped his cold streak and getting back. Talk about Josh Allen getting back to being a top three quarterback. We talk about Kyler Murray getting back to a top three quarterback. 27 to 36. 406 yards passing, three passing touchdowns, and had a rushing touchdown in this game. That's the Kyler Murray that we all knew and loved from a fantasy standpoint from this season. Finally got back to it in this one. And I didn't mean to skip back from the Eagles, but I just want to point out these two quarterbacks, from a fantasy standpoint, if you had Hurts, you had Kyler Murray, you were loving the show. You were loving the back and forth because they were just feeding into each other, it felt like. Just to make sure we wrap up on the Eagles. Miles Sanders had 17 carries for 64 yards. Got back to being more of the bell cow guy, but only one reception, 26 yards. Not a great performance, but did have a floor. He didn't lose you this game. But I still think you can play Miles Sanders with a little more confidence than what you had been now that Jalen Hurts is the quarterback with his who with his mobility. Pass catcher standpoint, he spread the ball out. I mean, you had Zach Ertz who had seven targets. You had Dallas Goddard who had eight. You had Jalen Rager who had eight. Greg Ward who had five. I mean, he really spread the ball out. And nobody had a great game yardage-wise, even though Hertz had a great game yardage-wise because he spread the ball out so much. I mean, Greg Ward winds up with two touchdowns. You're not going to play him for that. The only guys that I think you're really contemplating were the tight ends. And, you know, Ertz comes away with seven targets, two catches, 69 yards, while Dallas Goddard came away with four catches, 39 yards on eight targets. I think that means they're both streaming territory. But everyone, it looks like from the receiving game, because Hertz is, you know, spreading the ball out so much, and he did it last week too, that I don't know if there's an eagle pass catcher that I'm really trying to zero in on, especially next week. Now, on the Cardinals side of the ball, there is a pass catcher reserving in on and have been all year, and it's nice to see him back on his hot streak when you need it the most over the past few weeks, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. Nine catches, 169 yards, a touchdown on 11 targets, and everyone else is second-rate when it comes to the pass-catching game. The other interesting note about the Arizona Cardinals, though, Chase Edmonds, who they kept talking about all week being a game-time decision because of the ankle issue, was he really a game-time decision? Because he played ahead of Kenyon Drake. Chase Edmonds had 11 carries for 47 yards. He also tacked on three receptions for 19 yards, a touchdown on five targets. Kenyon Drake, 10 10 carries compared to Edmonds' 11. Not nearly as efficient. 10 carries and 26 yards. Two receptions for 14 yards. It was a Chase Edmonds show. Very interesting note for a guy who was possibly not even going to play and is supposed to be the backup running back even when he does play anyway. Something to watch there. Kenyon Drake, though, lost people their weeks, without a doubt. Now, last but not least, the game that we're going to talk about 
to wrap up today's show. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow with the Sunday night, the Monday night recap, and the waiver wire report. But to wrap up today's show, it was the game of the week. And in some ways, it didn't disappoint, and in other ways, it did. As an NFL game, it was a good quality game against two good quality opponents. Chiefs win this game 32-29. But from a fantasy standpoint, I think there's a lot left to be desired. Now, Mahomes wound up being fine because he had the three passing touchdowns, but just 254 yards. The big thing was where he boosted his stats was that he actually had 37 yards on the ground, something that he doesn't normally do. Travis Kelsey was good. Eight catches, 68 yards, a touchdown, 12 targets. Tyreek Hill was good. Six catches, 53 yards, a touchdown on 10 targets. But not their usual explosive Winnie of the Week selves. Sammy Watkins actually had four catches, 60 yards, had a couple big plays in this game. But the targets were still dominated by Kelsey and Hill. Of course, the big story is that Clyde edwards had a nasty knee injury. Now, they said the x-rays came back negative. We'll find out the results of the MRI test tomorrow. But there's a real chance you're going to be looking at Le'Veon Bell, who had 15 carries, 62 yards on a touchdown in this game, which is pretty efficient against a pretty tough Saints defense. We're going to be looking at Le'Veon Bell as a possible RB2 in your championship weeks with no Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Now, keep in mind, with the Kansas City Chiefs, there's always that caveat of, do the running backs even get involved that particular game that you're competing with? But there's not going to be a Hilaire-Bell committee, and Bell's the bell cow, well, then you expect him to be an RB2. Will Daryl Williams be involved because we have seen that in the past? Yeah, sure. But Le'Veon Bell will, for all intents and purposes, be the bell cow guy. This is something we're going to have to watch. And in this game, between the two of them, they had 29 carries. That's something we haven't seen the Kansas City Chiefs really do. Actually use the running backs to that degree. So something to watch heading into next week that we're going to have to keep you guys up to date. I would be shocked if Alaire is able to play next week. I think the real question is going to be, did this certainly just turn into the Le'Veon Bell show for the Super Bowl run? I think that's going to be more of the question. We'll find that out more throughout the week. On the Saints side of things, Drew Brees was terrible. Now, he winds up putting it together enough in the second half to make this game close, and he had three passing touchdowns, but he was awful. 15 of 34. I believe he was 7 of 24 at one point. Only 234 yards. None of the pass catchers really got going the way you were expecting to. thought maybe Emmanuel Sanders would have a nice game here. And Four catches, 76 yards, doesn't lose you the week. But five targets in a game in which you're coming back from behind against the Kansas City Chiefs with no Michael Thomas, it's got to be disappointing. But Alvin Kamara was the lead target on the day, and he only had six. thought for sure he was the guy looking at double-digit targets in this game. Now he hit the three catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. And the other thing, which I kind of I thought might happen too, is that he completely dominated the carries over Latavius Murray. He had 11 to Latavius Murray's 4. And I thought that they were going to have to lean on Alvin Kamara to be the offense in this game. They just they didn't quite lean on him as much as I thought they would. We'll see you know, what they're able to do heading into next week. You're still going to play Alvin Kamara. Emmanuel Sanders will still be in the wide receiver 3 conversation. But Drew Brees was a guy supposed to be a must-play, and I ultimately he gets you an okay day because of the three passing touchdowns, but man alive, did that look ugly. I think you have to be left to wonder, outside of Alvin Kamara, is there really anybody that you want to play in your championship weeks on this team? And the answer to that might be no. 
But that's going to wrap it up for today's show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We will be back tomorrow, of course, with the Sunday night, the Monday night recap, and the waiver wire report for your championship weeks. Everyone, I hope you get your, your Sunday night, your Monday night miracles that you're hoping for. I'm sure coming down to the wire in quite a few matchups. Everyone stay safe, stay happy. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.